Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I didn't see the same guys who I who I grew up with for years. I didn't see them a few times a week. I, I missed that connection. You're in the dressing room. You 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 undress together, and you go out onto the field. You put your helmet on, and you you have this. It's just this deep connection and you don't have to say it because you don't have to speak because you just play and it's just a given that this thing is happening and you have the highs and lows so you share those emotional, that emotional range with them. And then when I stopped, it was this idea of, okay, now I have to pave things out for myself and I don't have this support network. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Uh, focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone, and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette, and this week I'll be chatting to Timmy Creed. He's a theatre maker and sportsman who's created a show called Spliced, which he's performing at the Edinburgh Fringe in August. It focuses on the Irish sport of hurling and mental health. I'm going to be chatting to him about masculinity, pack mentality and the different ways team sports can affect mental health. Hurling is an ancient Irish sport that's been played in Ireland and kind of it was a, it's a Celtic sport. Uh, it's been played in Ireland for hundreds of years, if, if, if not more, some people think. It's a kind of a wild, really physical, really skillful uh, field sport that 15 players play against 15 players and you score goals and points and it is very popular in Ireland. Yeah, because I have to admit, I'm really sorry, but I'd never heard of it until I heard about your show. So first of all, I'm mm-hmm. sorry about that. But um, in terms of visually, is it um, running around with uh, sticks or a ball? Is it sort of like lacrosse? What's the most obvious sort of visual thing to liken it to? Um, it's like a, ma- a mesh of a number of things. Some people would say it's a mesh of lacrosse, baseball and maybe field hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, so the stick is made from ash and the ball is leather and you you can kind of you can take three steps with the ball in your hand and if 
then after that you have to put the ball on the stick and run with the ball on the stick kind of like a giant egg and spoon <laughs> yeah it's kind of hard to like describe describe it because it's not even really like any of those sports but if you mix them all together you hurling could come out the end of it Perfect. Thank you. So the reason I've gone straight in on that is because you've created this show which has hurling sort of right at the centre of it. Um, and you're sort of a hurling, is champion the right word or sort of sportsman anyway? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a hurling champion. Like, I don't even know what a hurling champion is. But you've like, written a show about um, what's a f- hurling at the centre and it's also yeah, got lots yeah. sort of to do with mental health. Why did you want to write a show uh, based around the sport? Because I dedicated like 21 years of my life to playing the sport and it meant a lot to me because uh, I, it, it, I, I started at a really young age and I played and played and I wasn't very good. And then when I was like 15, I got my place on the team and then I started taking it more seriously. And I was kind of blessed to have this really tight bunch of friends who were on this team and we ended up winning. We would win a lot, like a lot of games and a lot of championships for a number of years. And so our friendship and our social structure was intertwined with the sport. So it was this really beautiful thing of like these guys who you, you kind of, you go to feel, you go to battle with and you experience the, the feeling of to being with each other and like uh, uh, being physical with each other and fighting for each other. And then you have these really like nicer, strong friendships that come out of that bond. And then I, I, I stopped playing when I became an actor. And a number of years ago, having been at the Edinburgh Fringe for a number of years, I was kind of contemplating the idea of making a show and a one-man show. And I, I like shows that have like the personal touch to it where someone is kind of playing themselves. And I felt like I had this story to tell of someone who played something and was all consumed by it and then stopped. And then the conflict inside and outside that happens when you, you you dedicate your yourself to one thing and then that kind of all consumes you and kind of in a way could potentially destroy you and then this idea of having a life after it and it's like the juxtaposition of both of them together is what the show is what I really love well there's a few things I love in that but um when you're talking about hurling to start with there you said how um it was a way for men to sort of go into battle together almost do you think mm-hmm. people underestimate how important sport can be in terms of a support network and mental health, especially for men? Possibly. I don't think the men who play underestimate it because they maybe people from the outside in, but when you play sport, you have this really beautiful uh, social support group allows you this opportunity just to be with people and to be physical with people in doing something that you love. And when you're kind of in it, you don't um, kind of see that what that's what it is because from this is from my experience anyway, it's because I grew up with it. So it became this really normal thing and um, that I had a support network and a really strong one. And then when that kind of was taken away, I felt it was very difficult because then I was a, a kind of lone wolf outside of the pack, having been raised by the, by the wolves in the pack, like, and feeling part of the pack and adhering to the mentality of the pack, which is potentially where the, where the, where the difficulty is then. And the yes teams, I think are incredible for support for supporting people, men and women. But then there is this idea that it's kind of one way, like, and that the mentality of the team and, and the, is you kind of adhere to this way, except you have an individual mind and you have an individual uh, interest that often kind of gets left out that you have to sacrifice to be part of the pack. Do you get me? So it's Mm -hmm. like a, it's, it's, it's it's really brilliant in one ways, but then it has this other knock-on effect that that's what I'm kind of trying to explore in the, in the show. You know, the 
it gives you so much, but then it 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 stops other things happening, you know. But and that's the commitment, and that's the that's the struggle, you know. What did you struggle with particularly when you left? Because this is based on fairly personal experiences, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was lon- I was lonely. I was I was I didn't see the same guys who I who I grew up with for years. I didn't see them a few times a week. I didn't. I, I missed that connection. You're in the dressing room. You 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 you, you undress together and. You go out onto the field, you put your helmet on and you, you have this, it's just this deep connection and you don't have to say it because you don't have to speak because you just play. And it's just a given that this thing is happening and you have the highs and lows. So you share those emotional, that emotional range with them. And then when I stopped, it was this idea of, okay, now I have to pave things out for myself and I don't have this support network and I don't have this way to be with people. So now I have to start seeing how I'm going to uh, create the path of someone who's on their own. And that's, I, I, I struggled more with my mental health after I came out of the pack because I found that hard to deal with. And the connection was, was lost, that, 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 that deep connection of playing was lost with, that, with the teammates. And I was trying to find that and looking for that uh, outside of myself because I was so used to having it outside of myself when in fact all I had to do was find it in myself after which is the journey of the show as well you know i think it's really interesting because um on mostly yours we've had a few chats now with them um, with men about how sports has helped them in, in all different sorts of ways in terms of mental health and in mm-hmm. terms of i mean it sounds like when you're younger it was a very sort of supportive group mm-hmm. and it was sort of really helped you mm-hmm. um do you think it's it's supportive for everybody or do you think there's toxic elements in there yeah i don't really love the word toxic um well, negative then, or sort of maybe less. I mean, because to be honest, like for me, I, I kind of think surely this isn't going to be sort of the the ideal environment for everybody. I mean, and also, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so what's less positive about it? So, as we said there, there's, there's this real support, the support network of of being um, in the group and like being physical, and but then there's this idea that of when you're with a group of lads, often there's it's it's hard to be fully open with each other. And in these team, in team environments, this is what I found, you know, that there's an element of kind of mockery and jokery and surface level, level fun. It's like, there's this other part of everybody and every man there that would also like to be open with each other in a, in a more emotional way and a deeper way. But the, 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 the depth is through the game and the playing of the game. But then there's also this individual who just wants to talk and who struggles with all the struggles that we all have in our lives, except to even to even broach it in a team situation, you feel like it's uh, you'd be called weak. And like the idea of being weak, if you're trying if you're trying to get your place on a team, we'll say that strength is like at the core of of a lot of sport, like being strong in the body and strong in the mind. Then to, to to show yourself as being weak in some way that could make the other players doubt you, and it could make the managers doubt you. So it's like there's a hiding and a boxing away of of a of, of a softness and a, and a weakness in you that could potentially uh, come against your 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 playing career. Then the other idea of the negative thing for me is that you when you when you become all consumed by the, the GAA so hurling is part of a, of a greater organization in Ireland called the GAA which is the Gaelic Athletic Association and it's the biggest non-political organization in Ireland there's over 500,000 members so every little town in the whole of Ireland has a GAA t- 
team and it's like the center of the social the social place for the people in these small rural towns but then there's so much to see and to do and to experience in the world that when you because and it's so championed then in in you be, you become the hero of your local town if you're on the team because this is what people go to and this is what the support network and this is the entertainment and the sport of the local towns but there's so much of us to, to be explored and the, the negative thing is like if we just decide that this is the thing that we do then do we leave out all these other aspects to ourselves that potentially at some point we realize i'm missing something you know there's mm. something in there's something in me that doesn't feel fulfilled because eventually you get to the point where you can't play because 35 is like the the kind of the limit to what you can play your peak is 27 and a lot of your informative years are f- from my experience was as a teenager and early 20s when I was deciding what I liked what I was interested in what I was doing and it was all focused through this team and this team uh, dynamic and then when I came out the other end I was like what do I what do I do now you know what what interests me now and that's where the that's one of the negative parts I think of commit of the, the, the all commitment and you could say if you could say if you commit your whole life to an Olympic medal and it's the most amazing thing and that's what you want but I'm interested in the other aspects of ourselves that if we don't explore, sometimes they come back to bite us because we are so complex and we want to explore, you know, ourselves and the world. Now tell me a little bit more about yeah, your own personal story um, with the sport. So I started playing when I was five and wow. my, my father was a, is a really sports, he's a fanatical sport, interestedly in sport. So we used to, he used to bring me up to the club and... I was a small, skinny, shy uh, little boy and I used to go up and I was useless, but I, I, I kind of felt like I was doing something that was away from my family. So that was kind of making me unique from them. So I kind of held on to it and um, I um, used to play at an underage level, like under eights, under nines. You just play in the other small uh, parts of the parish. And then when you get to under 12, you start playing people from other suburbs and that's when it starts kick that's when it starts getting more serious then and the what's at stake increases because you could potentially become the, the champion of your county, which is a huge honor. And we won our first county championship when I was fifteen and that was the first year I made the team and there was just this we were the first hurling team in the club because it was more of a football club. So the Gaelic Athletic Association has two strands, hurling and football. One is played like more like Aussie rules and the other is with the stick. And our club was more of a football club until this team that we had, we had of guys that just flukily were all the same age, won the first county championship at 15. And then we won at 16, 17, 18, 20 and 21 and then the club changed from a football club to a hurling club and we were the carriers of this identity for this club and this place that has over 25,000 people living in it and so then there's an expectancy comes with that and uh, a kind of it take it takes over what, what what we were interested in because we were we were on the crest of something and it was very special and we had massive um, success and we shared that with people from the parish which is a real honor as well mm. and there was there, there was nothing negative about that experience except when I came out the end of it and I looked back at maybe some of the way I was behaving as a as a young boy as a young teenager or as an early 20 year old with this pack of of, of men that were 
confident and we were the champions of Cork. So we felt like we had this strut to us and what that's doing to you without you knowing it is it's creating this, this one idea of, of masculinity that I, I, I'd like to challenge in the show that, that, that way to, to think that you're better than everyone else in your parish because you're the holder of this swagger that, you know, you see footballers are like, why, why are they any different to the guy who comes and sits at the, at the back row of the stadium? And what makes them different just because they're out there doesn't make them, why should they have any more, why should they be on a pedestal? You know, it's like, it creates this imbalance. And I was, um, when, only when I look back, it was kind of fascinating, you know? Hmm. I suppose there is a sort of swagger, but then there's also the question of, I mean, it's, as you mentioned, footballers, there's the swagger, which I think a lot of people sort of just accept. But then there's mm. the actual sort of questionable behaviour of, of what you then do, you know, because it's like in any sort of fairly sort of public role, it's what you then choose to do with it, isn't it? Exactly. Really? And because when you're in that position of being put up in the pedestal, you have the opportunity to stand for something that is strong and beautiful and potentially moving for people except uh, that's what you said that you have a choice of how you use it and often you find that people get consumed by the the, the pedestal and they get they they don't they they don't see that they could be in like you know if a footballer did some activism or if he, he said something about something everybody would listen you know mm. and even even in the FA you know like the um trying to make it not racist in 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 England you know that it's like, why don't more guys talk about that? And why don't more footballers talk about the treatment of women? And then people will listen because the whole of England watches football, you know, except still there's like, no, let's just keep it sweet. And we have all our money and we get paid this thousands and thousands, but we'll just take that as opposed to saying, okay, we have been blessed with this, uh, this ability to play a game that we can actually use it to, to affect change is something that we... So we need to talk about your show because it's been fascinating, but um, tell me more about the show itself. Why did you decide we're get, to make we're get, it? We're getting carried away on the old bigger <laughs> issues. The bigger issues, the bigger issues. The no, it's fascinating. Bit. But yeah, we have to yeah. talk about it. So it's called Spliced. Is that so, right? so it's, it's called Spliced and mm. it is my first time ever performing in the Edinburgh Fringe and I'm really excited about it. And Amazing. Yeah, it's cool. And it's happening. That It's been programmed by the Traverse Theatre, which is maybe the one of the most respected theatres of Scotland and of the Edinburgh Fringe. And it's happening in a squash club. So it, there's, there's a, it's this beautiful uh, lawn and tennis and squash club uh, 20 minutes away from Princess Street in Edinburgh. And they've allowed us to put bring the show into the sports club. So automatically it gives it context for a sports club because the play is about sport. Yeah, it's really cool. So it's happening in a squash court it's got a small capacity, so tickets are, they could be hard to come by, hopefully. Yep. And it, it is a, it's a three-act play. It's one-man show with very intense visuals and sound and lighting. Uh, and it's, it's about my story as a, as a boy becoming a hurler and becoming this champion I spoke about. And then it, it comes to a cracking point where I... I, I, I I found it too consuming and too much pressure doing weights and taking protein and having to be a certain way, this tough, tough man, this strong man who it just cracked. And then the second part is about my life exploring who I was away from that. And then the third part is more conversational directly with the audience, trying to sum up what I'm Mm -hmm. trying to say. 
Yeah. It sounds like a really kind of, oh, without sounding trite, sort of a really interesting um, exploration of masculinity. Has Have any of your um, fellow hurlers come to see it yet, or is it still in sort of uh, rehearsal stage? Good question. Good question. They have, yeah. So last summer, I I brought the play back to my home club for five nights, and I was absolutely breaking myself. Because <laughs> I had that summer or the previous summer, I went back playing hurling to kind of inf- to infill. I, I hadn't played. I stopped playing when I was 25 to, to become an actor and to pursue that. And I went back playing six, seven years later to infiltrate in my head. That's what I was doing. I was infiltrating the organization that shaped me into the man I was because I wanted to find out more to write the play. But it just so happened that because it started off with a kind of negative. I was like, I want to talk about sport and it, there's so much celebration of sport in the world. Each person who plays also has an interior life that that's the thing I'm interested in in the show, you know? Can we use the sport that's so celebrated to actually see what's going on under the surface? But then when I went back playing, I got back in the team and I was like skinnier and I had a beard and the lads were joking. They were like, what the hell are you doing back up here? Like, I thought you quit. But secretly, it was I was processing everything. And then... I got back in the team and I realized that I actually love the game so much and that I can't actually knock it because it means a lot to me, even though I'd been away like studying acting and doing these other things that, so it was a weird meshing of it. So then when I went back to bring the play to the club, they were kind of saying, what the hell is this? Like most of them had never, ever seen a play or like would never go to a play. And then I was unfolding their story in front of their eyes and they were shocked and they were moved and some of them came up to me and said, thank you for expressing something that we're all struggling with. And it was an amazing experience. And it's funny then too, when you ask them for their opinion, because they're not, they're not, they're not used to like theatrical language or like critical opinion on like, Ooh, what did that show do for you? It's like still in the, they still play and they're still more without sounding, sounding, um, harsh on them but you know they're more closed as to in their emotions mm-hmm. because and but just to get the, the truth of how it moved them and in just a very simple word with using really simple words was really moving for me and that when when that happened up there I knew then that I had a show that I could take to Edinburgh Brilliant. because because I had the backing of my my comrades that I kind of turned my back on mm-hmm. and that is also part of the journey of the show. So you have to come and see the show to get all the rest of the story. Yeah. I have to say, um, I suppose I need to ask sort of one kind of question because hmm. you talked about sort of being at the centre of the community, kind of having that swagger um, and mm-hmm. feeling sort of really sort of confident, but then sort of yeah. leaving. Other than, because it sounds like creating the show has helped you to process that time. Exactly, but, exactly. But other than creating the show, um, what have you found has sort of helped you in terms of your mental health generally now, sort of since coming out of that, do you play different sports or have you gone back to the hurling or yeah, what's, what do you do generally? I I meditate and I I focus on my breath. That's, that has become the bedrock of my acceptance of myself and my comfort place where I I meditate. And Mm -hmm. when when things are hard, I know that I, I have a place where I go, where I sit and I focus on the breath and I've built it into my life enough that I went through a really rocky period in my late twenties. I was disillusioned as to what I was doing and I would have weeks on end where I couldn't, I couldn't see why I was doing anything and what, what was the point on Mm. trying to, 
I just didn't know where I was at and what I was doing. And I, I through yoga and meditation, I found a place where I, I know that when things get hard, I go back to that place. It's like, it's just a safe place within myself that took me a while to find. And now I'm, I feel blessed that I have this little thing that, and the yoga gives me the physicality that I, I longed for. And that's what was missing as well in my, like the physical body. Like we can, we can move so much of what's stored in us by just moving the physical body and the things get stored, our, our traumas and our, our stories get stored, not just in the mind, but in our body. And by, by releasing into the body, then the mind obviously naturally has a, a knock-on effect. And the yoga, by finding yoga after I left playing for a few years later, I realized that I was missing the physicality of playing the sport, that yoga has now allowed me to keep that. And while also still, I think yoga is kind of a sport actually. Mm. Um, so that, that has really helped. That has really helped. And doing the show has allowed me to be open about my experience when I was younger, which I think really helps just sharing your story for every last gory detail of it. Yeah. Um, and not being okay that actually it's good to share. If you've been affected by any of the issues on this show, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116123 or you can go to samaritans.org. If you like what we've heard today, please give us a rate or review on iTunes. You can also find us on Twitter at MentallyYRS. We also have a lovely Facebook group just called Mentally Yours. Thanks very much to our producers, Juliet Nichols and Sam Bonham, and to Lucy Baker for our jingles. See you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.